You're listening to the No Name Photo Show. It's not spouse approved. It may or may not be safe for work. We'll see. And now here's your host, Brian Matias, and me, Sharky James. So, Brian, here we are again, episode eight. Correct. We have octupled our episode output. Look at you. Back at it again with the tuples. Won't stop. Can't stop. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So what's in today's episode? Okay, Sharky. So today we have, we're basically touching on two stories that have uh, been published by various blogs, photo blogs. And uh, actually, ironically, now that I'm looking at it, they were both published by the same photo blog, DIY Photography. First story we're going to talk about really not even going to put, you know, any softening on this really grinded my gears. And that is an article that was called The Chosen Ones on Instagram. We'll talk about that, about whether more popular photographers have a greater advantage on social on Instagram. And then we're going to follow up with a very unfortunate story, but has a lot of legs to it. A, a New York City-based photographer, I guess, shot a, a wedding and was taking the subway home. I referenced this in a previous episode, I think episode six, <laughs> and, and got sidetracked and, and left his camera, his bag with his camera and the only copy of the wedding photo. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about spiders there for a second. I don't get it. You said this story had lots of legs. Oh, my God. All right, dad joke number one. Let's get in early. We should we should have like a sound effect. Ding. Ding. Every, t- every time I come up with one. <laughs> Go ahead. They're stupid, but somehow people love them. I like them. You know, some, I, I just it just really sometimes it just gets to me. <laughs> it's part of the stupidity of the show. It's what right. somebody what well, I don't know if we mentioned this before. Someone said this show is kind of like if Seinfeld and George Costanza had a photography podcast and then someone else said, no, it's more like if Costanza and Costanza had one, which is exactly right. And I'm OK with it. <laughs> I, I'm thinking of it's more like Beavis and Butthead. But anyhow, what's the first topic? So, all right. Now we're talking about a story. Again, we're going to link to both of these stories in the show notes on nonamephotoshow.com. Be sure to check it out. Everything you need about the show will be there. This uh, first story was published on September 26th of 2017 by DIYphotography.net. And the thing that kind of, I feel, I don't know, conflicted is because it was written by a gentleman, a photographer named Barbara Afsal, who I've, you know, we've, we've chatted on social. Like I hit, as soon as I saw his name, I'm like, oh yeah, I know who he is. But then I read the article and it really, really bothered me. Uh, and it really is indicative, I think, of the problem that uh, we have with social media today, just kind of like whiny photographers. So here's the premise. Barbara was saying was that there are on Instagram, you you know, you use Instagram, right, Tricky? I use Instagram like crazy. I've got like 21,000 plus followers on there and it's fun. But yeah. And, and actually, so you and I are, are, I think, ideal people to discuss this because I've got... I'm almost 14,000 followers. Um, You're slacking. Well, you know, I, and I do slack because I really am very, it depends on my emotional state day by day on whether I'm in the mood to share something or not. And sometimes I just am not in the mood to share. And with Instagram, you kind of have to share every day. Do you really? Do you have to? I think if you want to get in within the, whatever the algorithm is that you, you do need to show, you need to have constant uh signals and signals i mean put a photo out and then people interact with it that sends signals to, to instagram and i just want to in, interject right here so uh, people are gonna be like oh great they're talking about they have these ginormous followings and wow not everyone sees your photos you got to post every day but for the average photographer out there if you've got a local and i talk about this on my show the petapixel photography podcast so if you have a local business and you want people to see your work and to consider you as a photographer, at least be thinking about you, you probably want to post a photo daily 
and get it out there to everybody. And then, so I always tell people, find local businesses. So like a local bank, not a national chain, but a local, you know, I don't know, a local bakery, whatever. Follow their followers. Those are most likely going to be local people. A percentage of those will follow you back. And then you're starting, you're building a local following. So bonus tip number one. So, so, and that is, that, and actually, that is a really good tip. But here's the the premise of the story, just so that we can get moving. Is what Babber was saying was that there are these hubs. So on Instagram, there are the, these accounts called hubs, and they're not individuals per se. They are accounts like, and he lists beautiful destinations or a game of tones. And when I lived in Oregon, I, there was Oregon Explored or JJ underscore Oregon. There are these kind of like hubs. And what he's complaining about here, you know, is that these hubs only share other people's work who have really strong followings. And the thing is, some of these hubs, the ones that had that have like over some of them have like half a, a half a million followers. Some have like over two million followers. These hubs, when they share your work, that actually does have a material impact. You know, the the photo that they share gets a ton of likes and comments. And of course, when they share, they they mention you, you know, whoever the photographer is, and that should translate into some cross pollination of followers. But the thing that really bothers me, Sharky, like is this kind of like this whiny sour grapes kind of like, well, you know, why should these hubs only, you know, this favoritism and discrimination, and these are words in the article, you know, by only sharing uh, people who already have 100,000 plus followers, you know, why can't they spread the love? That kind of stuff to me, I immediately, I get very upset. It's just like, are you, are you serious? Are you seriously that just, I don't know what it is. You know, I'm trying to think of a clean word to use that doesn't. (laughs) So what do you think, Sharky? So is his point that you should give everyone a chance and help build the followings of people who haven't established themselves yet? And what's his reasoning behind that? Sort of a utopian, like spread the love, kumbaya, every kind of, what's his point? He says, I feel these hubs, and this is quote, I feel these hubs have held the photography community hostage in a way only allowing certain people to capitalize on it while the rest can just like and comment on them. That's crap. That is, it, <laughs> That's such crap right there because it's they're not the end all and be all. They're not the only thing you see in your feed. And it's not your business. Literally, they've spent time, effort, money, whatever to build this. They should be able. They they can do whatever they want with it. This is not a. Uh, you know what I'm saying. This is not a democracy as far as that goes. You don't get a vote. Sharky, exactly right. If I had to kind of encapsulate, this is what bothers me the most: is that what is this? Everyone's a winner. Everyone should have the same opportunity. Are you kidding me? Absolutely not. This is a generational thing. So listen, I'm going to be 47 in January. You just turned. What did you turn? Your birthday was recently. What? What? Yeah. What, what did you turn? I turned 39, 39 years ago. old. So, you know, when I grew up, not everybody got a participation trophy or ribbon. It wasn't, hey, little Johnny or little Susie, you know, good job. Here you go. It's OK. You know, it's like, you know, what I'm saying it's and the same thing has happened across the board. Everyone feels like they it's the coddling of not just America, but, you know, our society, our values and this whole everyone has to have a piece of everything. And it's a, we're all in it together kind of thing has spread across the world. And really, it's kind of it's still every man for himself, every woman for himself. Okay, listen, so I've got a popular podcast. This is now a really popular podcast. We'll probably overtake my podcast at some point. It's heading that direction. And, you know, when people are like, well, you're so lucky to listen, you know, I worked 14, 16 hour days for three years now. You have to put in the effort. You can't just expect someone to give it to you. And it's the same thing with what this guy is talking about. You know, these sites, 
don't owe you anything. They don't. Now, it'd be nice if they, maybe every Tuesday, they can uh, they can throw in somebody who has a smaller following and help bring them up or whatever. There's merit in bringing, as long as it's good work, does it really matter how big their following is? I mean, they want you to share and they want you to help boost them. It's all, you know, like raise all ships kind of thing, but you can't raise all ships. There are too many ships. Yeah. And, and who's to say, like, like he, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote another part of this because this kind of also really bothers me. Quote, as Spider-Man once said, with great power comes great responsibility. Oh, God. But in the case of Instagram, it would be with great reach comes great responsibility. And they need to lead by example. Stop discrimination. Stop favoritism. Be fair. Are you out of your mind? And that was an end quote. Be fair. End quote. Not the are you out of your mind? What fair and what favoritism and what discrimination are you possibly talking about? The, the, the problem here is you don't know. Let's just assume. Let's just go with devil's advocate and say, you know what? You're absolutely right. Remember, these hubs are completely focused on sharing to maximize engagement. And they do that by resharing people who already have massive audiences. Where is it that you are entitled to just because what? Just because you have 10,000 followers and you, you shared a photo and you tag them that you are entitled to be reshared by one of these hubs? Here's how it works, how virtually everyone does on Instagram. You take your photo, you create the post, you add the photo, you add your text, and then either in the actual original description of the photo or in the first comment, you spam that with up to 30 different hashtags because the hashtags are typically how these hubs find you. You can also at mention them. And all you're doing is literally like a spray and pray. Selecting which tags to put is actually, a, there's a strategy to that. And hopefully one out of, I don't know, however many get noticed and they get reshared. But it's not like you're spending all your time, your effort, like your goal is to get reshared by a game of tones, which is one of the hubs. You're just hoping that anyone, one of these hubs will, will reshare it. And ultimately, who cares? Well, let me tell you something. 10,000 followers, 13,000, 20,000 followers is nothing what is that number to you? Is it a vanity or is it something that's going to be, or can you really, really, are you able to parlay that into some material like income or some sort of career advancement? Because that's really what should be everyone's goal if they're trying to become a professional photographer. Otherwise, if you're not trying to be a professional photographer and you're complaining about these hubs, not resharing your work, all it is is an ego stroke. Absolutely. And I think it was Von Wong who talked, Benjamin Von Wong, for everybody listening, that talked about pods, isn't it? It's called pods or something like pods, that. A bunch of yes. people that get together and basically uh, do this, support each other and lift each other up. And that's fine. Yeah, that's that's perfectly legitimate. You're in line with that thinking, too. You don't owe anybody anything. So get your friends together, get other local photographers together and promote each other. A lot of people are really stingy with that. And that should be a topic someday, too. It's like, oh, there's this other guy in town. I really can't stand him. He's getting all the business, blah, blah, blah. I hate him. I secretly loathe this guy. And it's ridiculous. There's competition and there's co-opetition. There's a lot of times where someone's going to have a gig that they're not going to be able to shoot. And you want them thinking your name. So I always say, join your local chamber of commerce. And if you're the only photographer, everybody knows you're getting the work and from business leaders, people who have money to spend. So there are things you can do. And Instagram is part of that. Of course, these days, if you're a photographer and you're not Instagram, you're, re you're really missing out. You're, this is where people are. But do you notice the operating terms of what you just said? Meaning all the advice you just gave requires the individual to actually go and do things. The premise of this article is like, why aren't other people, whoever, why aren't they sharing my work? Like, what are you relying on someone else to do your work for you or to share your stuff? Like, are you kidding me? 
I think this is, I hate to call it millennial thinking, but I think as the newer generations come up and this isn't, you know, a blast against all millennials, if you're listening to this and this doesn't apply to you, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about only the millennials this applies to. (laughs) So with that caveat, it's that kind of thinking. It's like, you know, everyone gets a participation trophy. Everyone should stroke my ego. Everyone should tell me I'm doing a great job. Everyone should help me. You have to get out there like our parents and grandparents did and fight for it. You have to put in the work. As a photographer, listen, if you're listening right now and you've got a photography business, you know it. very little of it is photography. It really should just be called business because you're not doing a whole lot of, you're not doing a whole lot of photography. You're doing oh, a whole man. lot of everything else. You know, like this, this road trip that we went on, the amount of the business stuff that came to a screeching halt, just like everything that you do normally, being able to go out and take the photos is actually a bigger disruption in some cases to the business than the actual business You're itself. You're like, oh man, I got to go out and take photos now. Oh, it's it, it's insane. But yeah, so you know, I think we've kind of really skewered this topic enough. Again, I'm not if 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 Babber's listening to it, it's not a personal attack, but in a way, you know, you put this post out there, and it really it, when I read it, I knew immediately this was a topic that I wanted Sharky and I to touch because this is the what's flawed with how photographers kind of operate these days on social media, where this sense of entitlement and it it really needs to stop. If you want to make it, it, you cannot rely on anyone else. And guess what? You can do everything Sharky said. You can do everything that I say. You can read every book. You can listen to a thousand podcasts and do every. Everything that everyone tells you, you are still not guaranteed any form of success. It'll either happen for whatever reason or it won't. But just because you do it doesn't necessarily mean just because you share your photos on Instagram doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean you're entitled to anything. You just have to keep doing. And then hopefully that factor that no one really likes to talk about, which is called luck and timing and also personality, who you are as a person. Because let me tell you something, that article doesn't really bode well for the author. It just is a, a whiny piece. So Yeah, enough of this. A whiny piece of what? We won't go there. But no, No. just to put a fine point on this here, you have to do it yourself. You really do. And like Brian was saying, it's not necessarily going to happen. You got to pay attention along the way. You make course corrections. If something is not working, then maybe pivot. I hate that term, but pivot and do something else. No one is going to help you but you. And you have to do solid work, of course and just go at it. It has to be a passion. You have to be really into it. And you could have a huge following and it doesn't mean squat. So, you know, you could have 50,000 followers and, you know, step back and think, what is that really doing for me? Am I getting business from that? No, I'm getting ego stroking. So it's more of the quality of the follower than the quantity. I'd rather have a thousand people who are really engaged and really dig what I do than a hundred thousand who are just like, oh, like, you know, that's useless. That's what's the point there. Right. And and it, to get, not to put too fine a point on it either, I remember having a conversation with, with Colby Brown, who's a good buddy of mine and who you know is a listener to the show. And we were talking about this, about this whole like numbers thing, everyone jockeying their own egos with numbers. And what he said, and it, I, this was years ago, he's like, the thing is, I know that I can actually turn that into money, meaning he has the marketing chops, the connections. He kind of has the drive to reach out to companies, uh, to reach out to tourism boards and leverage that number. The numbers themselves inherently are purely ego stroke, but he can leverage those numbers into actual paying business. 
not everyone can do that. In fact, it's a much harder thing to do than people might think. One of the biggest things you can do is build relationships. Like part of the reason why I have photographers do intros on my show, and I had you do one, your wife did one, and a bunch of other people, of course, you know, 215 people now, is it was an excuse to get to know somebody, to build relationships and that sort of thing. And it's also fun for the audience. But that's what you want to do. You want to build relationships. That's why I say join your local chamber of commerce. You're going to get a lot of play out of that. And you're going to have to spend like a couple hundred bucks a year or so. That'll help you a lot more than Instagram. Trust me on this, because when the rubber meets the road, if you're in Lincoln, Nebraska, I'm in Lincoln, Nebraska. That's amazing. If you're in Vladivostok, Russia, who cares? You know, or somebody is liking your stuff from uh, Russia or wherever. That doesn't. How does that help you in Lincoln, Nebraska, or in Boise, Idaho, where I am? You want people that are going to hire you for your services if that's what you do. If you're just if you want to put your photography up there and you want a lot of likes because you think that's going to lead to something else, that's great. Then chase those likes and tag the right communities, etc., online these hubs to try to get noticed more. So, anyways, we're done with that topic. I think. What's what's our ne- unless you have something else? What's your next topic? No, we're we're good. So the next topic, I really initially when I saw this topic, I got angry. But then I also, once I calm down, I really do feel for the guy. So this was posted on September 22nd. So the first or the first article we talked about was on the 26th. This one was four days prior on the 22nd, also by DIYphotography.net. And it's uh, titled, Wedding Photographer Loses the Only Copy of Wedding Photos on Subway. So the premise here, Sharky, is that Kurt Snedden, a New York-based photographer, he shot a wedding and he forgot the photos. I guess it was in his bag and he left them on a New York subway train. Now, let me tell you something here. As a native New Yorker, grew up in Brooklyn, rode the subway more times than I can count. This guy, Kurt Snedden, the photographer, posted on Facebook and he said, you know, the last 48 hours have been the worst of my life. I was entrusted to photograph a wedding and I've bleeped up beyond measure. And he says here, the short version of the story is that I allowed myself to be distracted and overwhelmed to the point of leaving a backpack containing the only copy of the wedding photos on a New York City subway train. So, Sharky, talk to us. Oh, I've got lots of thoughts about this. We've talked about this on my show. First of all, do we know what kind of camera he was shooting? This is important. Not that I can see here. If it's a camera that has two card slots and you're a wedding photographer, you absolutely, it's not even, this is not even up for debate. You must use both card slots because cards fail. And if you're shooting a wedding and something goes wrong in that slot with that card, you're out of luck. It's unlikely to happen to both card slots. There's circuitry. Everything is different that way. Use both card slots. When you're done with the wedding, you have to separate those cards. It's fine to keep, well, you're not going to have one in the camera, but keep some in your bag. The rest go in a protected container in your pocket. So unless you lose you, you're good. You've got a copy of everything from that wedding. This is someone's arguably the most important day of their life until they have children. That's the right answer right there. This is their most important day. You have to protect those images. There's no do-overs. First of all, Aunt Sue from Utah or whatever is not flying back in and you're not going to spend all that money to get everyone back in. You as the photographer who's responsible because you lost the images, you're not going to get everyone back in to do these photos. You might be able to recreate some of them, but it's just not the same. And then forever, they're going to look at the album or the photos on Flickr or Facebook or wherever people are going to look at their photos these days. And they're going to know that that was not their most important day. It's just going to it's going to just gnaw at them. Eventually, they'll forgive you what they might do, especially these days, is they're going to sue you 
And so if you don't have liability insurance and really good, solid liability insurance, you are hosed. There have been people that have actually lost their homes due to judgments because they were sued by a couple whose photos were lost because it's negligence is what it is. Part of calling, and this is important here, if you're going to call yourself a professional, part of being a professional is making sure these things don't happen. That's why you keep a duplicate set of these images on cards protected in a case so there's not lint and other stuff messing up those contacts or whatever. Some grit in your pocket or your keys protect those images. As long as they're on you, you are good to go. That's your safety net right there. And then, of course, when you get home, don't do like that woman did, I think, a year, year and a half ago. We did the story on my show. She left her bag full of images, uh, the cards and everything, in her car while she was in her house overnight, and it got stolen. Well, hello, Murphy's Law. If something bad's going to happen, it's probably, it's going to happen to you and at the most inopportune time. So make sure you have everything protected to the extent you can. You can always replace a camera, but you're not going to replace those images. The damage to your reputation locally, you're going to have to move. Word is going to get out that you cannot handle this. Yeah, I mean, the thing that's it's pretty amazing is just I'm looking through a bunch of different New York publications like the Post. That, the Post, New York Post p- picked it up. It's easy to kind of like bash the guy because that was my, my knee-jerk reaction was like, listen, I don't know what the situation was. He, apparently, he was photographing his friend's ceremony in Mamaroneck, and it, 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 I, I'm, I'm speechless at because I, I do want to say like just the ineptitude or the, the the lack of there's no excuse for that. You've seen videos of like photographers at wedding photographers who are like are not aware of their surroundings and they fall into they fall into a fountain or a pond or whatever and, and and their camera goes for a swim and just like you know in the, in those situations hopefully there's a backup camera or you, you have a first shooter but partly why I always believe that photographers like a lot of times people will balk at how much a wedding photographer will charge and I believe that if you are going to try I think you should charge what you think you're worth but if you're going to charge whatever $15,000 for wedding let's just say no one's charging that Robert Evans is everyone else not so much well yeah fine it's probably like 3,000 these days three to five whatever it is but there is a certain there. There, uh, of course, there are contracts that are signed and everything like that. But contracts are always kind of like you sign them, kind of like the same way with the same kind of care that you accept the terms to Apple's iTunes. Just like, yeah, great, just get me to my music. It's like, your EULA, exactly. It's it's our it's the EULA, which is the end user license agreement. But the two card slot thing, completely agreed. It's just there are really very few excuses that you have. Uh, where the first thing I I've shot two weddings professionally, and those are two more weddings than I ever should have shot. Same here. Yeah. Two. I, I, I just want nothing to do with, with wedding photography, but I'm neurotic about that stuff. And, you know, I can tell you for a fact that before the wedding was even over, I had, you know, constantly making back and my camera that I was using had two card slots. So I was just mirroring the raw files. Um, ultimately, if you're going to tag on that word professional, or if you're going to, take money for something that kind of a service there's an obligation that you you have and the whole like oh i i got just got overwhelmed i think that was the word he that he used he got overwhelmed that is i just don't even know what you know never mind your career imagine what happens to the to the like you said you're not going to fly everyone back you're not going to recreate that event so it's a tough one, Sharky. You have to listen. So what we do here with this show is we have a checklist. I have an actual printed checklist. NASA would be proud. And you have to run through some things that because, you you know, when it really matters, let's say 
there are things you're going to forget. So it would be so easy for a photographer to print out a checklist and small enough that you could have it laminated and you could put it on, you know, it's business card size or so and just make just glance at it. Go through it really quickly. Don't write on your palm. You know, none of that nonsense. Be a little more professional. Laminate that sucker and just go through and make sure like, OK, I've put it, you know, they're in my pocket. They're protected. They're good to go. I can go have a latte now knowing that I'm not going to leave it on the A train or whatever, heading uptown, downtown, whatever it is. Listen, when I was a kid growing up in California, I grew up all over the place. But in California, I left my mitt on the bus and I never heard the end of it from my mom and dad because that was, you know, that was a good chunk of change back then. We didn't have a whole lot of money. I grew up fairly poor. And so, you know, that's just a mitt. That can be replaced, but photos of someone's wedding. Come on, you can always redo senior photos. You could redo engagement photos, but someone's wedding, you have to take the time. You have to care enough to take the time so you don't ever have the excuse, I was overwhelmed. That, should ne- that shouldn't ever cross your mind and especially your, your lips. That j- Never. It just shouldn't. So yeah, to close things out, like my last point to this is the technology is, I mean, today, I can't imagine in year a few years from now, but compared to what it was a few years ago in episode six, we were talking about with mobile photography workflows, how you have these external hard drives that have built in SD and CF cards that you just pop the card in. You don't need to do anything. You just pop the card in, you hit a button and it automatically starts just copying all of those files on the card onto the internal hard drive of that unit. And boom, you now have another copy. It's just one of those things, again, where if you just take the time and you take it seriously, not to say that necessarily that he didn't, but at the end of the day, those photos are gone. Again, as a New Yorker, once you take, once you step off that train, it's as if the train never existed. I have never met anyone who who has lost something and was able to recover it when it's on a train. On a taxi, still slim, but that has happened. Sharky, yes. do you have anything else to this? I'm just going to say it comes down to you had one job. You had one job. Just think of that. So, uh, Sharky, what's on your what's on your gear shelf? What's on my gear shelf, since you uh, asked, is something really heavy and fairly expensive, and I love it. And I've been threatening to sell this for the longest time. And, uh, you, you know, you're not going to see this because you're listening, but Brian and I use video to, so we can interact and stuff. And this is the Sigma 120-300 f2.8 ginormous beast of a lens that I love so much and I probably won't sell it because I love this darn thing. If you want to shoot sports and you want something longer than a 70 to 200, the 120 to 300 to 8 is great. It is a beautiful, sharp, amazing lens. It's not going to be as sharp as a 300 to 8, you know, any kind of prime lens, of course, but it's pretty darn close to the point where you're really not going to notice the difference. You use that on your Nikon camera? I use that on my Nikon. I mentioned recently on on my show, I think it was episode 215, that you know I originally got out, I was going to get out of the Nikon system, but some of the advertisers on my show only make for Canon, Nikon, and Sony. So I'm holding on to my Nikon stuff now because just out of necessity. And so I'm, I'm considering saving this lens because it's great not only for sports, but shooting portraits as well. You've got 120 to 300 available to you, sharp throughout the whole range. Does it support teleconverters? It supports teleconverters. I'm not a big teleconverter fan. The reason why I ask is some some telephoto lenses don't support teleconverters like Sony. Their, their, their original 70-200 didn't support the teleconverter that they released later on. The 70-200 F4? Correct. I love that lens. I have it. I need to sell it. But this lens is great. It's got image stabilization in it. 
It's such a great lens for not only shooting football, but baseball as well. Soccer is great. With soccer, you're not running up and down the sidelines. You're pretty much staying put. So 120 to 300 is great. And like I said, if you're shooting portraits, you have a ginormous range available to you here. Great bokeh, just great compression. It's a wonderful lens. I've got a product on it. They're not paying me to say this. No one is. It's lens coat. You, they've been around forever. And that's that neoprene kind of stuff. And I every lens that you can put it on, that it makes sense. And it's not super cheap, but it's worth it. it. It'll help you. This is a bonus tip. It'll help you to protect the value of your lens. Instead of your lens getting scratched or nicked, you've got neoprene on it. Yeah, at least I have a fighting chance. So there you go. That's what's on my shelf. And what's on my shelf has some stuff protecting it. Yeah, it also neoprene will protect from the elements as well. Like not just Nick's, but it kind of has a nice insulated surface. It'll protect from everybody named Nick. If somebody (laughs) was trying to Nick your gear, and especially if his name was Nick, it's not going to happen. No, I'm sorry. Of course, that's ridiculous. That was just a happy accident right there. All right. So what's on? Oh, and this, by the way, is like a $3,600 lens. That's a good reason to sell it. Well, I mean, it's, but it's, I have a hundred, 400. It's a very, very specific lens, um, you know, use case. And we'll link to the, to Sharky's lens in the show notes again, no name photoshow.com. My pick is the complete opposite. It's small, it's light, it's ridiculously cheap. In fact, in most cases, you probably have a ton of them at home, but it's just a silica gel pack. Um, Are you kidding me? Do you just, no. Was that even on your shelf? I wish I could show you. I have probably it should be 40 in your drawers. Them. I have forty of them to my right. I so silica gel packs are these little things that usually come when you buy some sort of electro, electric equipment or something from Amazon. When you buy, they'll usually come included. You can also buy silica packs new. I keep these in my camera bags all the time because, uh, especially when I lived in Oregon and I shot in the gorge uh, and waterfalls, my gear got really wet. And the reason why these are included when you you know in these boxes when you order stuff is because it absorbs moisture. And when it's not just a one time use, you can actually put these in the microwave to kind of like dry them out and then just reuse them again. So I always save these. You know, I highly recommend keeping these in your camera bag. They look like candy, but they are not. They even Don't eat listen. Them. You know. You know this happened at some point because it says do not eat on them. So at some point, someone obviously tried and they really got a a rude awakening. But in all my gear, I've got gear shelves. I've got gear drawers here, containers. I've got those silica. I save them every time I get a package, of course. You can buy them on Amazon and other places. They even make devices that are, uh, well, they're not, they're, I think there's some that are battery powered, but you can uh, you can get these devices that are a little bit more robust than these enclosed packs. And they got like vents in them and stuff. And they're like hardcore power silica gel kind of devices. So if you're in a, in a really humid place, like you're in Florida or you're on any coastal region where you've got a lot of humidity, you really need this stuff. Your lenses over time are going to get foggy. You're going to get mold in there. It's just not a good thing. So these should be in your bags. They should be wherever your gear is, especially if your gear is in an enclosed area. So great pick. Cheap. Thank you. Easy. Good job. (laughs) Thank you, Sharky. All right, Sharky, that's a a wrap for what are we? Episode eight? Episode eight is in the can. To everyone listening, just want to thank you and remind you again, you can visit us at nonamephotoshow.com and on social at nonamephotoshow pretty much everywhere. Sharky, should we clap it out? Let's do it. Here we go. One, two. I don't know. One more. All right. One, two. That might have been the one. All right. (laughs) Love you, brother. Right back at you. Thanks so much for listening to the No Name Photo Show. Sharky and I would be thrilled if you would subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using and tell a friend. How about we do this again next episode? Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) 